0: Welcome back to I Love Rock and Roll. My name is Ken Krantz. (laughs) And uh, welcome to American Loser. Hi, Um, guys.
1: Welcome to Frame by Frame, the animation podcast that's finally
2: back. uh, (laughs) uh, This is cool, man. I'm KP Burke. The show is called American Loser. We're doing a crossover with one of my great pals in comedy, one of my favorite comics, Mr. Ken Krantz, whose show is called I Love Rock and Roll.
0: Yeah, we're uh, we're sort of like the American loser of music, not listened to. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean,
2: dude, you still have possibly the greatest one liner in the history of American loser because you and Covert came on for the tragedy of the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory fire and uh, you know the Jewish labor unions that were involved with the safety. And Ken just goes. Jews and their locks during the episode. <laughs> yeah, and I was doors. like, all right, that's that's about as good as it's going to get. Folks, <laughs> right. they were locked They were locking them in, right? They were to make sure that nobody was leaving early or anything like that. But uh, dude, now you got this bad boy up and running, man. Uh, when did you start? I love rock and roll.
0: Uh, I think we just record like we're pretty new. We just did our 13th or 14th episode. Nice. But um, It's, you know what it's like. It's like fucking writing a term paper every week. (laughs) Amen, brother. I get so so immersed in a band for a week or two while I'm, and it's all I think about and do. And then as soon as the episode's recorded, I'm like, I never have to listen to Twisted Sister again. (laughs) This
3: is This podcast has been the hardest three credit course that I ever took (laughs) with the amount of papers that I had to write. (laughs) Well, if you're not familiar with American Loser,
2: what uh, my name's KP Burke. My dad is Lawrence Patrick Burke, and we do uh, every week. It's a weird story from American history. And then what I love that you're doing, Ken, is this is weird shit from rock and roll that people just skim over or
0: forgot about. Right? Yeah, we're we're trying to. So I know I normally have a co-host, Chip Chantry, who uh, funny dude. Yeah, he's very. He actually uh, remind me off air to tell you he has my all time favorite joke, but it's kind of visual, so I can't even do it. <laughs> I can't even do it on the air, but um. Yeah, I, I'll I'll actually admit I was sort of inspired by uh American Loser. I, oh. I always wanted to do a like a interesting rock and roll story podcast, but it just felt like so much work. Sort of And, and now you found out it really is that much yeah, work. Yeah, but then but then I saw how you put it together and I, I Well, today's topic, you never do know who you're
2: actually going to (laughs) inspire. But real quick, find the ones and twos, the big kahunas in the building.
1: What's going on, boss?
2: You know where we're at, guys. It's a shared universe podcast studio in Eatontown, New Jersey. Mike and Ming taking great care of us here. Exciting that we get to be in studio with a buddy of ours who's got a great show. If you're a regular American Loser listener, please do me a favor and check out Ken's show. Uh, if not, just check out this episode. You right. know what I mean? <laughs> we're doing the crossover thing, buddy, so I'm and, stoked about this.
0: Yeah, and for our uh, I Love Rock and Roll listeners, definitely check out American, uh, American Loser.
2: Thank you, man. And how did you, because you gave me the topic for this one, because this is great, because we're a history show, you're a music show. These two things collide. Yeah. Heavy duty. <laughs> yes right. Yeah. It impacted uh, the world. Two meteors in orbit at the same time hitting
0: one another. Um, how did you land on this topic here? For this well, one? I think you and I were just bouncing topics off each other. We, we went through a few. We thought we talked about Phil Spector. We talked about Woodstock 99 that I that, that was the that one that would have been a great one Oh man Which I would've would've brought my cousin Kate in to talk about sleeping through the riots during Limp Bizkit yeah <laughs> I was I was there I was I would so I would have but I <laughs> my memory was a little like when like when DMX died I remember thinking I was so bummed that I never got to see DMX live <laughs> and then a couple hours later, a friend of mine texted me. He was like, "How lucky are we that we got to see DMX at Woodstock <laughs> at his most legendary set? It apparently, was like the most legendary set he'd had in his uh, life." And I was there. And even after being told I was there, I still don't remember. But I guess it counts that I saw. Him. Well, perhaps, perhaps, you were
3: there. You were in the house. <laughs>
0: perhaps MK Ultra got his hands
2: on Ken Krantz as well. Who knows on that one, man? But uh, this one's wild, too, because it's a history show. But this is also something that uh, the handsome dilf of a dad that I have over here, he's um, you lived through this shit. Well, yeah, I was alive. Well, and Kahuna, you know the name of because we already said who it is. It's Oh, yeah. Today to introduce the topic, it's uh, the illustrious Mark David Chapman. Or as we're calling this episode, I texted Ken before, uh, Mark David Chapman and the magic of reading. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh. Well,
0: because when you think of this guy, like what pops in your head, dude? Well, not not American security guard, uh, (laughs) which
4: is.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I remember Googling him because you and I were going back and forth on topics. And I was like, what about Mark David Chapman? And you would think that the Internet would lead with uh, John Lennon's murderer, but it led with American security guard. A little uh, little scrubbing of the backstory on that
2: one. Google. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, anyone who encourages reading is probably a good person, though. And on this uh, crossover episode, we're going to realize uh, maybe not so much the case here. Uh, Mark David Chapman is going to read a book, and it's a book that straight up changes his life. Like, was there anything that jumped out at you? Because like, for me, I know the thing that changed the way I looked at the world a little bit was when I saw Doug stand up no refunds for the first time. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, my life's a lie. <laughs> <laughs> but was there anything? Because like music-wise, it was always cool to see what could open your mind up to new experiences and shit. But, I mean, you... You're a diehard music fan. Yes. And uh, you've mentioned being able to see music on occasion. So, was there anything that jumped out at you that could be like a pivotal life-changing moment for you, maybe the way that this book we're about to talk about, hit Mark David Chapman? Well,
0: I mean, not not in the way that, um, <laughs> not in the way Mark David Chapman was inspired, but I've, I've told the story on uh, I Love Rock and Roll before, where for me, it was, I was probably 13 years old, and, um, I just, uh, smoked a joint because they, uh, they started us young back then. And my brother gave me a copy of David Live, David Bowie's live album from, uh, uh the sure. Tower Theater. And up until then, all my music had been like whatever bullshit was on there, like Huey Lewis in Chicago, <laughs> like whatever bullshit was on the car radio in, in my mom's car. It and it was then, no longer hip to be square after that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then once I put that on, like within the first song, I was like, oh, there's a whole world out there <laughs> that I didn't know anything about. And I was hooked. It's uh, well, Bowie
2: comes into this story a little yes. bit, too, which yeah. is pretty cool. because mm-hmm. There was a lot of crossovers. I thought in my head that it was going to be like, all right, so we're doing Really going to be focused, almost like a, I don't want to say that it was a current event because the events that happened, I mean, this is the 80s, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So, I I was born in 1987, whether or not people choose to believe that, but um, it's uh, it's a weird one. You lived through this shit, Dad. Yeah, I was around in uh, 1980. What was the, uh, I mean, the news, was it life? Because I I won't lie to you, uh, we were at this very studio, me and Andy Highroller did an episode, went over to the Nip Tuck uh, bar in Long Branch over here. We're having uh, Bloody Marys and breakfast after a podcast. And then everybody in the bar starts looking around and they're all talking and it's like a weird chatter. And then it pops up on our phones. Kobe Bryant had just died.
3: Right. So you yeah. always
2: remember where you were for that one. I remember, be, you know, exactly where I was when I heard about nine
3: eleven. Um, So was this that kind of a moment when it happened? Not for me. I mean, obviously it, it set the world aback that, holy God. Because at the time in uh, 1980, John Lennon really was back throttling away from his uh, – you know, skyrocketing career type of a thing. He he stepped back to really raise his kid, Sean. Um, so right. he took a he took like a five year hiatus from right. from the whole rock and roll scene uh, while he's raising his kid. He became the the uh, the house dad kind of a thing that.
0: Yeah. All the all the attention he didn't pay to Julian he, he, right, was, exactly. he was giving the Sean.
3: From right, his first his first child from he his He was first a stay at home
2: dad because right. Yoko had her human trafficking business. Um, <laughs> that I was, was gonna important. say
0: he stayed
1: home and we got Yoko. Yeah, right,
2: right. <laughs> but it's a wild one, man. Um now this book, because I did you read the the app the book, of course, by the way, is J.D. Salinger's infamous Catcher in the Rye. Um did you read that book ever? I read it in or, high school, yeah. Were you because for me I remember reading because everybody's like, Oh my god, this is this book has history to it. it's like the ring tape, it makes you kill people and yeah. stuff. And then you read the book and you're like, I mean, okay.
0: Yeah. I guess. Yeah. It's like it's like when you when you heard how groundbreaking Lenny Bruce was and then but like and I he wasn't <laughs> right, right. he was at the time. Agreed. But you go back now and listen to it and you're like, this is what people were were getting getting upset by. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I I don't remember the book that well. I just kind of remember that it was a guy that had a fantasy about shooting another guy, but didn't.
3: Yeah,
2: I mean that was I, I kept remember like we would sit there and everybody was all excited. It was like, oh, we're reading Catcher in the Rye. It's a dangerous book, if you will, because uh, you pointed it out to me, Dad. That's both on a must read list and a banned reading list. Right? Yeah, it,
3: it makes the top <laughs> makes like the top ten on on both sides. That uh, um, J.D. Salinger wrote this novel, and it was again. Going to the to the time period is 1951, so you know uh, people's attitudes and right. ideals and everything else, moral compass was a little different than it is right now, or even later on in the in the 60s, 70s, and, and 80s. But um, he writes this novel uh, detailing uh, you know a couple of days in the life of this 16 year old um, that. Was just thrown out of school for the, like the third or fourth time, um, high school, uh, and uh, you know it it really created a stir. It, it, the novel was a popular success, and within two months of its publication, it had been reprinted eight times. So, you know it hit the it hit the New York Times bestseller list for uh, over thirty weeks. Um, but as many people that were touting what a great you know. Uh, novel, this was, there was a lot of other people saying, this is trash, this is filth, this yeah. is that, uh, you know, they say hell and damn and, and everything else in there that, in uh, well, Christ He, he sake sees and,
2: a, a prostitute in the book, if I remember, right? He goes to see a prostitute, but then doesn't do yes, anything with it, gets roughed up by the pimp, I think. Right, exactly. Yeah.
0: yeah, it's a whole book filled with a guy that wants to do stuff and doesn't.
2: That's a- <laughs> right, right, right.
0: And, and it was salacious back then. But you like, but to, but to, when you say it spent 30 weeks at number one like back in the 50s that's when people read books and you had to sell a lot like now you can get a New York Times, like everybody, if you right. put out a book, you get the number one book on the New York bestsellers list. Angelo Gingerelli's putting that theory to test.
2: <laughs> a little inside
3: baseball for us. Jersey <laughs> yeah. comics.
0: Yeah, but you, right. But back, back in the then, 50s. You had to sell a shitload of copies. Right. It had to be, to be on the totally New York too. Times
3: bestseller list. Yeah. was assured that you were going to you were going to make it. But again, now in the 1950s. I mean, you think back, what a big stir even Playboy magazine made. Right. That you got this guy, Hugh Hefner, that's making all kinds of money by, uh, putting a centerfold in, uh, in Playboy, a men's the magazine. Periodical? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> good, good articles. That's the only reason people would buy that for the articles, not, not for the uh, illustrations or the photographs. But anyhow, I mean, he's, he changes, uh, writing styles too. I mean, people start going in a different direction. He's, uh, he serves uh, his, his character uh, Holden Caulfield is this 16 year old that I said, as I say, just was thrown out of, I think the third or fourth prep school. Um, And it's, it's, he's using the main character Holden Caulfield as this unreliable narrator, telling people what's going on. So it's, 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 it's craziness. And as soon as somebody bans th- something... What's going to happen? Right. Everybody. Why? Wants I got to get a hold of that. Yeah. I got to get a hold of that shit and find out why right. people are so upset. You know, um, certain former conspiracy theorist radio
2: show host that's uh, on fire on the podcasts right now <laughs> because they took him off YouTube and now he's the most sought after guest on podcasts.
0: <laughs> it's like when they put the uh, parental advisory explicit oh, lyric yeah. stickers right. on albums, so back. You when, know, it's good. Right. Yeah. We, we covered when we did the Twisted Sister episode, we covered this when one went to Washington oh yeah they all fought so hard against those stickers going on the albums but once they went on sales went through the roof exactly because that's all kids wanted
3: exactly it's uh, take
0: something away. You create
3: uh, demand. Exactly, and then back in the in the fifties too, you had movies censorship. You had to get through the uh, the review board for the movies, uh, you know, and the rating system, and all this, all these books, of things. right? Everything, they, everything. Uh, what a place to say that too, right, right here in Mike and Ming's backyard. Yeah. <laughs> really, and even even television. I mean, in the fifties. Uh, television was just going to rot the minds of the of the youth, and we're all going to become babbling idiots. Can you imagine we, if watching if leave television? It, leave it
0: to Beaver and thinking that yeah. That's
3: it. <laughs> right, right.
0: <laughs> it's created a
2: lot of false memories in people's lives, man. But I,
1: I pulled up a cool statistic because I was curious about how how much this book has sold, like how many copies. So they say that two hundred and fifty thousand copies are sold a year, right? And they think. 65 million copies have been sold worldwide since it was published.
2: So in short, Mark David Chapman's mission worked and more people did, in fact, read Catcher in the Rhyme. Mm. <laughs> I got it real quick just to give us the inciting incident here for the podcast. Um, on December 8th, 1988, a terrible event occurred, Dad. Um, my sister's birthday. Uh, on December 8th, 1988, years prior to that, though, uh, Mark David Chapman, the topic of today's American Loser and I Love Rock and Roll, he will fire five 38 special rounds from his snub-nosed revolver into the back of Beatles, former Beatles lead singer, John Lennon. Um, the idea of Lennon being killed by 38 special is pretty fascinating.
3: <laughs> Give tribute to the He <laughs> was um, also shot with 38 hollow points, too. So uh, it as was... a quote
0: from Chapman to ensure death. Right. So he wasn't he was killed with a revolver. Around. Yep. Oh, it's also interesting. Little snub-nosed revolver action. Did you hear... Um, the James Taylor, so James Taylor claims that he had an encounter with Mark David Chapman the day before Lennon was shot, and James Taylor was staying in a hotel next to the Dakota, mm-hmm. where John Lennon was shot. Right, and I this is like a pretty recent interview I was watching. He was on Howard, uh, Howard Stern, maybe five years ago, and James Taylor was saying he was on the phone with his wife, and he hears five shots, and then he says to her. Uh, I think the cops just killed somebody. And she said, why do you think the cops killed somebody? So, said, well, it was five shots, which means they emptied the gun, you know, one in the hammer and then four, in, you know, in, mm-hmm. and uh sounds like it was probably a 38. And I was like, you think James Taylor really and like, yeah, oh, okay, yeah. law and order.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. yeah. Anybody else that uh, truck just backfired, but he knows oh, Yeah, that was, was 38. That yeah. was clearly a 38. <laughs> well, because th- it's a whole,
2: this story is just mind blowing, but that's the inciting incident now is that this is the murder of John Lennon here. Um, and this guy, Mark David Chapman, he's going to wind up a trivia This is actually what he wrote. Uh, as soon as he's done, first of all, Coon, if you shot somebody, you sticking around? No, oh. no. What do you think Mark David Chapman does? He he sat on a
1: park bench and waited.
2: Yep. Oh, opens up a book.
1: Yeah. Catching the rat. Right. Yeah. Yep. Then I've... sign the book inside. What's that is it? one of the creepiest photos, by the way, that I've ever seen. If you don't know what I'm talking yes, about, yeah, we do. We'll get to it, that here in a yeah. sec. Yeah. By the way,
0: have you as anybody ever been obsessed with a book and then did good in the world? <laughs> <laughs> there, like, just read a book and be like, that's a pretty good book. And then read the next one. Parents, and go talk about- to
2: your children about the dangers of reading. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. It's a tough one, man. But uh, Mark David Chapman will go down in history uh, for shooting these five rounds into the back of John Lennon, uh, pretty much killing John Lennon. He arrives uh, dead on arrival, being brought in not by an ambulance. They rushed him into the back of a squad car, police car, in order to get him out of there. Yeah, because he was bleeding out. Oh, again, with hollow point bullets and right. the 38 specials, nothing to fuck with. Um, those who don't know, you can shoot uh, 38 specials out of a 357. James Taylor knows that. That's Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He can tell you how many grains are in the bullet. Going to Carolina in his mind, man. Um, Hmm. But it's wild. Now, this is the craziest part. When they do find Chapman after having shot the most famous, one of the most famous men in the world. Right. um, He's calmly sitting on a park bench. The arrest goes down with no incident. And then inside the cover of his copy of Catcher in the Rye, he wrote, this is my statement. Yeah. And signed it as Holden Caulfield.
3: Right. Who so, was the lead character within Catcher yeah. of the Rye. So
2: there's a little, if you want to make the case of schizophrenia here, there's a lot that goes on with that whole backstory and everything too. But early on in this guy's life, you never thought he was going to turn out this way. It's like- um I know there's elements of maybe the Joker to him, and there's a little bit of taxi driver stuff going on with him, too, which, of course, lends itself to uh, some copycat crimes and everything later on in his life. But did you get into anything about his early life, Ken?
0: Yeah, I, a little bit. It sounds like he was on a good track, right? Like he was, um,
3: <laughs> yeah, not so much. I
0: thought he wasn't he like counselor of the year at yes. his summer camp. Oh yeah, and uh, just to ruin this for Kahuna real quickly, Kahuna Mark David Chapman,
2: who again will go down in history for having murdered John Lennon. Yes, counselor of the year at a summer camp that he's working at. Uh, guess what his nickname was? Because he was the most popular counselor amongst the kids. The kids gave him a nickname.
1: Oh, no. Wait. Yep. Wait. Nemo. Are you serious? Yep. Yep.
2: So try enjoying that movie again. (laughs) Nemo. Oh, they found Nemo. Lennon found him. (laughs) (laughs) But our buddy, Mark David Chapman, was born in Texas, 1955. His father was a physically and emotionally abusive Air Force staff sergeant. There was a couple little cracks in his mental foundation. Uh, They begin to appear early on. He had uh, vivid fantasies of being the king of little people that lived in his wall of his bedroom it was i mean i had a pretty active imagination as a kid like you know
1: you're making that
2: up nope no that's 100 that's true yeah Yeah. yeah. see i was just thinking about el mcpherson so
0: (laughs)
1: see if he had just like drew these characters and pitched it he would have created the smurfs before anybody else (laughs) right yeah exactly
0: (laughs) Seem like you
1: gotta have you gotta be creative with your crazy. Well,
0: kill you gotta them? let it out. You yeah, gotta exactly. Because
2: <laughs> now you're making me wonder. I wonder if the people who created the Smurfs were sitting there like, well, we were gonna kill Lennon, but that's already been yeah. done. <laughs> <laughs> But Jesus, man, uh, he's got these vivid fantasies here. He also winds up running away a couple of times. He begins skipping classes, taking drugs by. You started smoking pot at age 13, Ken? Yeah, I was young. Yeah. So age 14. So a couple more years, you're going to wind up
0: shooting Justin Bieber. That's my theory. <laughs> yeah. Well, if I do, it'll be to impress Jodie Foster. <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs> uh,
2: it's perfect, too, because it's actually on topic.
4: <laughs>
2: uh, eventually, he's going to wind up going down the born again religious path and he'll wind up distributing Christian literature again and just another misuse of a book right there. Right. Um, and again, like we said, a, a pretty popular kid working. He likes working with the younger kids over to camp. So this seems like a pretty decent dude. It uh, seems to be relatively rooted in reality. And also, he's got a girlfriend now. He's got this newfound spirituality, got a passion for working with kids. It seems like his life is on the up and up until he reads that fateful book. Yeah, this one's going to ruin everything here. A friend suggested that he read J.D. Salinger's Catcher in the Rye. And this one's going to change his worldview a little bit. Is that fair to
3: say? Yes.
1: Can you imagine being that friend on December 8th, 1980, when you realize why yeah. he did it? Right. Can yeah. you just be like, fuck, I fuck. shouldn't have told Nemo to read that book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: Nemo. I'm the oh, one who introduced Kurt Cobain to
1: Courtney Love. So, I know. That. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. I'm the one who introduced you to that weirdo, Christian Cordes. I'm so sorry.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, the mental illness thing starts to make appearances again during uh, his early life here, if you will. But Chapman's also, he's bouncing around the world, Dad, right? He's seeing some shit.
3: Yeah. Well, it goes from the summer camp. He reads the, he reads um you know, catcher in the rye and stuff, and that does certainly does make an impact on him. Uh, he also starts to get into uh, his newfound spirituality, if you will, that he starts to become what we would today reference as a born-again Christian type of a thing. So, he's starting to change his life around. I mean, he's got a decent job. He's got a girlfriend. He's, uh, you know, working as a, as this camp counselor, helping helping kids, helping the youth.
0: Can you imagine being uh the runner up to Counselor of the year that lost to Mark David <laughs> Chapman <laughs> yeah, really
2: I could have I could have been somebody Recap. Yeah he still has that award just has an asterisk next to his name now Yeah um, <laughs> but it, it's crazy too cuz he actually um he's going to get himself into college now and he winds up i guess cheating on his girlfriend has some sort of a, a they called it an affair but he cheated on his girlfriend felt so guilty about it that he became super depressed started falling behind in his studies, wound up having to drop out of college. And that's the first time we're starting to see the real big cracks in the mental foundation here because now suicidal thoughts are popping into his head and he keeps saying, I'm a failure, I'm a failure. So he's not, he's a pretty happy guy. It sounds like, um, are you familiar with uh, manic depression? Yes. It sounds like this guy has mania. That's what it sounds like. (laughs) So it's when things are good, it's the greatest thing ever. And then one tiny thing goes wrong and it's like, oh my God, I need to kill myself. I shouldn't even be here.
3: He uh he flips he oscillates back and forth big time. The highs and lows are, are definitely there. Now, have you guys been to Hawaii?
0: Yeah, that's what that's what I can't get over. <laughs> yeah. He moves to Hawaii and he's still fucking murderous.
3: And he buys a he buys a one way ticket to Hawaii. So I mean he's he's all depressed and everything else. He breaks up with his newfound girlfriend and uh how and why he picks Hawaii but he takes a he buys a one way ticket to Hawaii and you know where that money came from i don't think he made that as a camp counselor but anyhow he moves to Hawaii and then uh starts to get all depressed there and i think he has his uh his first real suicide attempt on a, on himself that uh most suicides are yeah you know, i'm sorry yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would i think that would be pretty accurate yeah. Um, but his first uh, his first <gasps> attempt at suicide. How's that? Is that better? It's uh, phrasing. We work on phrasing here. And uh, he 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 chooses to do it with uh, carbon monoxide uh, asphyxiation. So he turns the car on and uh, doesn't quite get it right though. So what is it? he melts the hose or yeah, something? He to melts, it?
2: Yeah, he right. melts
0: the hose. Right now,
2: my old man pointed out something good too. We were talking uh, before we recorded here that even though he didn't technically succeed to be a guy with some mental issues and then also maybe, you know, some severe exposure to, you know, gas poisoning. Yeah.
3: Probably didn't help. Yeah, I think carbon monoxide poisoning. You're killing a few brain cells up yeah. there, anyhow. So, you know, yeah. and then you're if you're diminished to begin with because of your depression, and then I, <laughs> now, shit, I even fucked up my own suicide. I can't even do it's that like the, right. The John the Cusack Lose? movie, Better Off Dead. Yeah, of oh it's a great movie. Possibly
2: the best '80s comedy out there, man. It's up there. <laughs> it's uh, it, Chapman's gonna now after the suicide attempt. I think his parents are getting divorced around this time frame. He winds up uh, uh, making a decision to, I think he's living with his mom in Florida or something like that. And then uh, he actually has to have a short stay in a mental hospital after the suicide attempt.
3: That's so, in Hawaii.
2: Right. So yeah. they do check him into a
0: facility mm-hmm. for some psychiatric evaluation. I can't even believe they have mental hospitals in Hawaii. That's <laughs> have you ever been? It is so nice there. I've That's never been. the by,
2: happiest I just, it has to be the greatest, man. It's uh, forgetting Sarah Marshall's only super funny because it's a depressing movie in <laughs> paradise. That's why it works. Yeah. But And uh, so he winds up. This is actually the first thing here, because later on in his life, he is going to work, as Ken hilariously said earlier, he will go down in the history books, according to Google, as a uh, security guard. Right. Right. Uh, and it, not just a security guard, either an armed security guard. So there's this idea of like. Well, yeah, he learns be,
3: to he learns to shoot. But he does.
2: But here's the thing. Nowadays, there would be background checks where like this guy was uh, for an attempted suicide. Uh, and then he's got some yeah. psychiatric evaluation. They would make him
0: way. wait at least two weeks before
2: <laughs> giving him that gun. now. Right. Right,
3: right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's going to be a week cooling off period. <laughs> yeah,
2: But they'll kick you out for that one nowadays, man. So it's it's a strange thing here. But again, the guy seems to rebound all the time. It's almost It's very weird because it's like you watch maybe a movie like Joker or something. You're like, well, clearly this is a mentally ill person. And. We shouldn't be rooting for the violence that he's putting out there. But also you're like, I don't know. This guy's kind of he's doing his own thing. You know, it's a little bit inspiring that he's he's, (laughs) looking at him. He's finally in control. But Chapman winds up landing on his feet post uh, psychiatric evaluation, if you will. Yeah, he
3: goes into this uh, this institution, um, gets himself squared away to the point where once he's released from treatment, if you will, he gets a job there. He's. Then hired by the same institution. So now we're we'll saying talk those about, things now, so we yeah, can talk well, we'll, more about them later. Yeah, all right. <laughs> no, because we're. I don't
2: want to. I want to give the story and then show. Because and then you, then we'll come back to it when you presented that crack in the story there. I was like, oh dear God! All right, this. One's, <laughs> I didn't think. I thought we were gonna have a straight ahead story on this one, but nope. Uh, after several interesting uh, odd jobs with this hospital work, armed security, and also working as a printer in the hospital, I think uh, he winds up beginning to drink heavily. This is post having a little world tour that he went on. And uh his travel agent that was booking all those trips for him, uh Japanese American woman, he winds up later marrying
0: her. Right. So he marries his travel agent. So this guy, he's not an incel, folks. No, this this is what blew my mind. Not only was he married, he's still married. <laughs> he's still married <laughs> yeah. to, to, this the, day. to the same lady, yep. uh Gloria Chapman. Mm-hmm. And then I was thinking like, he should have just killed Van Morrison. <laughs> <laughs> and then when they, <laughs> and then when they would have been like, "What'd you do?" To be like, oh, "I'm a fucking wife's Gloria." I, he still would have gone away, but I feel like he'd have been out by now. It's uh, again, it'd be
2: one of those things because we're, we're going to cover it too, because there's the copycat crimes as well. Where it's, it's not, um, it's not how you kill; it's who you kill. It right. seems to matter a right.
3: lot. <laughs> yeah, and actually, John Lennon was—he uh, had a list. Chapman had a list as yeah. to who he was going to off, and oh, yeah. John Lennon right. just bubbled up to the top because I think he was the most the most famous on the list. And it was
2: a, a matter of convenience, they said, too, for some of the people because it was strange because you could get more, like you know, uh, Ken and I have bumped into some pretty well known people right. before, but that's the, even as comics they're still like, okay, so you're going to stay on this side of the room from him. You just be cool right now, kind right. of thing. And so there's that, but that's after getting vouched for right yeah back then you you know you kind of bump into a celebrity here there wasn't the whole the idea of paparazzi wasn't going super crazy no
0: no it wasn't there wasn't the tabloids here weren't like they are now um he was also obsessed with celebrity uh you can go on youtube the audio is not amazing but there is uh there's about a 30-minute interview with him and larry king and he talked about Being at some convention and meeting Robert Goulet and Leslie Nielsen (laughs) and basking in their celebrity and and he said the whole time he was with Robert Goulet he felt like he was on top of the world and then as soon as he left and shut the door behind him he felt small again. So... Like like if Robert Goulet makes you feel like, yeah, really. imagine.
3: <laughs> you got more problems. Yeah. Robert
0: Goulet was a real person and not a
2: character invented by Will Ferrell. <laughs> he was now. a real person. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, this is where the uh, he's going to start boozing real heavy, which is never good, especially for the manic-depressant people. We know a couple of, we got a mutual friend or two that have disappeared over a couple right. of times. So. Not a great move for a manic depressive person here to start drinking real heavily, but then what these people do, because typically manic depressive people, uh, they tend to skew a little bit higher on the IQ range that it's uh, because they're capable of, you know, deeper thought and everything like that. That's why they can bounce back and forth between the emotions so much. So what they do is they just go head first into their interests. Uh, And I I found that out from uh, some kid wrote a paper all about it in Brookdale Community College. So, you know, it was academically, you know, (laughs) well, but but no, he was breaking it down that uh, the people just get hyper focused on one thing. And that's when they're doing well at that thing. They think that they're God because that's the world they've created for themselves. And his particular obsessions were artwork, the catcher in the rye and former Beatle, John Lennon. And uh, he's going to crash two of those things into one another debatably a third too
3: yeah well what you said too before that uh you know he was so obsessed with <laughs> the celebrities and that type of a thing while he's in hawaii in that um facility <laughs> for the lack of a better term somebody had gives gives him a book that was just recently written on john lennon and he now becomes uh comes to the realization of how much money john lennon is really just piling on on top so
0: he's very salty about john lennon's money right oh yes he he thinks that
3: yeah, all we we're saying is give peace a chance and imagine everybody sharing the world and all this kind of stuff and meanwhile he's reading in this book about john lennon is just stacking cash up left and right i mean the guy's multi 1000000 how come he's not giving it away if, if he's not He's not practicing what he's preaching type of a thing and that just pisses him off to Ah, the So
1: he's laying the groundwork to become the first incel.
2: Yeah, he he, but again, he's got chicks all the time. That's what's weird. He had the girlfriend there, he had he was married, he's still by the way, he's still still, married. He gets a conjugal visit every year. Yeah. That's yep.
0: Yeah, and she flies, and she flies. He's having sex more than most married
3: people. (laughs) It's not even his birthday.
2: Well, uh, at this point in time, too, I feel like it's fair to note that because people hear John Lennon and they have different ideas of what because John Lennon was not on this earth for a super long period of time. But then the, the weird shifts that happen when you go from like the clean cut, you know, uh, I want to hold your hand stuff with the Beatles to then getting way deeper into the uh, Sergeant Pepper stuff. And then to coming out on like this whole activist via music thing with Imagine and all this. Right. Tra- like he's got he's a complicated dude. You know, people think, they feel like they know him, but if you're with him, because we know him, at least I do, I haven't been born in 87, um, he's already gone by the time I got here. So you had to, you could just appreciate him and all of his works, but if he's constantly evolving and changing, you know, I I can feel, I understand how somebody could feel betrayed because if you latched onto one of those personalities and then that person had a shift, you're like, well, shit, the thing I just centered my whole world around is over. It's not even here anymore. So it gets a little bit crazy. And uh, Lennon had already left the Beatles at this time, was performing solo works, uh, often in tandem with his largely untalented wife, Yoko. Uh, By the way, side note, I didn't realize the play on words here, Though the the play on, um, I guess it's words, uh, but John Lennon, John Legend, both have annoying Asian wives that aren't good people.
0: Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I think, I'll be honest, I think Yoko gets a bad rap. It,
3: it's very fun to shit on her yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah it's that, It's like the easy thing to do but um, yeah, but I, for the time period she was hated yeah i mean she was just absolutely hated she, she was she she was accredited with the breakup of the beatles, the beatles so you're up, taking but, mccartney and lennon the, the two greatest you know uh songwriters that the world has ever seen kind of a thing and now this yoko comes along and she's some japanese artist that that pulls john out of uh out of the beatles and
0: yeah but and- i i don't think she i think i think they were probably heading towards a breakup anyway yeah it sounds like things were there was already cracks in the foundation oh yeah well they had a a pretty pretty good run
3: though you got to say that the Beatles had a pretty good run (laughs) of course they did but
0: i think it would have ended i mean it sounds like uh you know paul was married to Linda mccartney at the time and he was just as isolated in that relationship she just didn't get the uh that's why ringo's the coolest of all the beatles you know ringo had the hottest wife and has a fifty-fifty chance of outliving them all at this point. Like for all the shit that he got, he—I think Ringo made out the best. I would
2: agree, man. And it's uh, no one ever. You, there's no bad opinions on him. Yeah, be like, oh yeah, they got opinions on Lennon and stuff like that too. Because Lennon's making a couple of controversial remarks over the years here too. Uh, his music's already shifted heavily from uh, the love and pop songs to kind of more thoughtful works like Imagine, like we were saying. And uh, years earlier, Lennon had gotten himself in some pretty hot water. When he told a reporter that uh, when they were talking about the popularity of the Beatles, you know, which quote I'm about to talk about. Yes. They were bigger than Jesus. Bigger than Jesus. You know? <laughs> yeah. And I think the way because I heard him scale that back because he actually has to make a full apology for this because now America where, you know, religion is still uh, I mean, religion is still a big deal around the world here, too. But specifically at this time frame, the Beatles are coming out, they had to come in. As clean-cut kids, they never would have been accepted if they showed up as the dirty hippies that they later became kind of a thing.
3: No, they, they, they never come. were the clean-cut kids. They were the, the, uh, metamorphosis, the counterculture yeah. to begin with, these long-haired hippie types coming over from England. You know, the, uh, the, um, well, because the, originally they
2: had the little the clean-cut look that they were trying to present them as like, this could be the kid that lives down the street from you. But that's how they got everyone hooked, and then you started to see the hair was growing out a little bit. I think uh, someone put acid in their tea or something. Yeah, like Yeah, that, right? that's what drugs came <laughs> into play. <laughs>
3: yeah, uh, and then they went over to, uh, India to India to see the Maharishi and got into the whole sitar and all that, all that kind of music right. that was like, it's
2: gonna <laughs> change my world." Yeah. But his comment was that they're bigger than Jesus, and John intended that because John was a smart dude from everything. Because I mean. He, I get why people always give Bono some shit because he tries to sound so graceful at all times and, and overly intellectual. And he's he definitely is those things, but it's also fun to shit on Bono a little bit. So it's probably fun to shit on John Lennon back in the day when he was trying to make his comments saying, um, well, I didn't mean that we're bigger than Jesus in terms of po- – I meant that there's a, been a decline in the popularity of Christianity over the years and the Beatles are actually – uh, ascending right now, so he was trying to make that come, but people already ran with the story.
1: You you just said the same thing. You just kind of expanded it.
2: That's what he did. You, really, you
1: wrote you wrote the bullshit high school essay. You tried to take two words to yeah. make all sentence yeah. out of it.
2: That's what that, I swear to God, that's his apology too. That's the craziest part.
0: His apology is yes, yeah, sorry I did it, but I did it. Fuck you. <laughs> There's also got to be one. I would imagine, and you know, it's got to be one of the first like forced celebrity apologies. It's. I think that's why it's significant too, because that was when a
2: publicist really became so uh tantamount to like your continued success.
0: Like, it, cause look at all people. This. People were burning Beatles records. Yes. Oh yeah, there which always a- cracked me up. Like. You bought them. You, you they already got your money. Yes. <laughs> I'm,
3: gonna, I'm gonna buy your records so I can burn it. Yeah. There's a cartoon. Okay. The first
2: time I found out about this whole controversy, it was hilarious because um the Kahoon is gonna love this. Um, so there was a show called The Angry Beavers, right? It was a cartoon show on Nickelodeon. Mm-hmm. And the they formed a band, the two Angry Beavers, and they were the they had one get like the big star treatment that he was the lead and he's giving a, a speech and he's putting on a fake British accent. He goes, yeah, we well are just bigger than sliced bread. And then had a news break. said, so sliced bread fans everywhere, outraged at that.
0: Fun fact, the Angry Beavers later changed their name to the Indigo Girls.
2: <laughs> I thought it was a little Fair joke coming, I swear. I hope Uh, Chip doesn't listen to this one. Kahuna does not want his name attached to this episode. Oh, my God.
1: (laughs) I thought that was the name of Yoko Ono's next band. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. And the whole uh,
3: zeitgeist at the time, too. I mean, the whole counterculture was going on with all of this. And, you know, here's these these rock stars that are saying that God is, uh, you know, they're more powerful (laughs) or more popular than Jesus. And Nietzsche, uh, I... German philosopher from, like, the late 1800s. Ubermensch, Yeah, right now. He's starting to get a a, a strong revival thing going on here that, you know, his famous quote was, God was dead. I mean, Nietzsche is saying God is dead, and the Beatles are saying that they're more powerful, not more powerful, but more popular than Jesus. And, uh, again, from my own personal, I remember there was a... uh, A cartoon kind of a thing. It was like in a New York City subway that somebody had put graffiti up on the subway wall. Um, God is dead, sign Nietzsche. And then underneath somebody wrote, Nietzsche's dead, sign God. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there was a popular joke in Mark David
2: Chapman's prayer group too, that they would sing a parody line of the song Imagine. Because in the song Imagine, which is a beautiful song, they do talk about, um, you know, he's kind of deconstructing religion. And it thinking opens the world's with better. imagine
1: if there was no heaven.
2: Yeah. So he deconstructs the idea of religion a little bit, which is pretty groundbreaking for the time. So his prayer group was singing. Did you get the line?
0: Yeah. It was it, imagine John Lennon's dead or yeah. something. Ima-
2: imagine a world where John Lennon's
0: dead. Yeah. And that's, that's
2: super, super the, Christian, yeah, by the way. Very super cri- <laughs> and super original, too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But, yeah, you put little ideas like that into a person's head who's capable of violence and uh, you know has a little bit of a, some schizophrenic uh, episodes in his past. And uh, you have him identifying so much with this character, this, uh, I guess, uh, anti-hero type character or outsider character of Holden Caulfield in Catcher in the Rye, whose entire predisposition is to take out the phonies.
0: And I hate the phonies and yeah, phonies, phonies, yeah, phonies. that was his big thing. He thought that John Lennon was a giant phony mm-hmm. and so had to pay a- for it. It's, uh, oh man, it's just setting the stage for it though.
3: Yeah. And then, and again, too, I mean, it, at the time for a rock band to do a commercial, that was like, you're selling out yes. to a man, right? Yeah. Da, da, da. yeah. How now, dare you make money? Yeah, man. Right. And now we got all the Cadillac commercials and everything else doing the, uh, the old timey rock yes. and roll stuff. So
0: <laughs> I think that was a Carlin
2: line too. All the good rock and roll that was sold to the car company commercials years ago. Yeah. But Chapman found the millionaire musician to be fraudulent and phony. As he continued to stack fat, fat stacks of cash while publicly espousing equality and peace and love and all that other bullshit. This rolled in with Chapman's continued substance abuse and the mental deterioration leads him to planning for. This sounds like an act that had to happen in the moment, right? This sounds like just, you know, heat of passion kind of crime. That's what I thought it was. Did you pick up on how long he was planning this fucking thing? Well, he
0: made made a trip to New York Mm -hmm. to try it and then put, chickened out and came back to Hawaii. Yeah,
3: his wife- his Told wife his wife, to, wife. Yeah, told his wife what he was gonna do, and then she talked him out and had, had him he, fly back to Hawaii. He,
0: he, he told her that he was gonna kill John Lennon, but her love for him saved him. And stopped him from doing. It. He even showed her the gun that he took on the airplane. This chick's a ride or die, man. Yeah, right. That's he's got it. he's got like a, a lot of people. He's got like a Camille Cosby type, <laughs> <laughs> or like an Eva Braun. Like she's definitely she, up there, man. And you know, she was like, I knew I could change him. That's right,
3: right he has issues she, with
0: i that. i read an interview yeah so she's she still lives in hawaii she's still married uh it's 40 something years they're married and uh i wrote i just read something last year so this was just from 20, a 2020 interview where she said with mark uh locked up the lord is her husband As soon as I read that, I was like, they should probably lock her up too." just now before before anybody else. He knew a
2: lot about what was going on, too. That's what now uh, other people on his because we talked about this was Lennon the main target or was he the most convenient because he knew that he could get access to a celebrity in New York like that. Um, Other potential targets, by the way, Cahoons, I don't know if you know this. um, There were some pretty good names on this list, this potential kill list. So if you were having a party, you'd probably invite a couple of the people that are on. Mark David Chapman's kill list here. Okay. Uh, Liz Taylor, George C. Scott, who played Patton in the, the, the movie Patton. Uh, Paul McCartney, right? So it's so you got to pick one beetle or the other. You know, it's I bet you the two of them are always arguing back and forth of like, well, you know, I was really the one who wrote everything, and the other guy was just a rhythm dude, and they're like, well, I'm really the one that he wanted to kill. Yeah, settle but- for you. <laughs>
4: um,
2: uh, other people. This one was my favorite because there's other names on the list as well, but. Uh, Who has a
0: problem with Johnny Carson? Yes. Johnny (laughs) Carson was on his list. And then I was thinking if he had killed Johnny instead, Ed McMahon would have been the new Yoko. (laughs) Like (laughs) Ed McMahon would have been the one publicly carrying. Like, I don't know. Like, I guess instead of Strawberry Fields, they would have had like, I don't know, like Martini or like neglected children fields. (laughs) And (laughs) McMahon would have held a vigil every year for Johnny.
3: Well, doesn't he do that with the, uh, the millionaires, the publisher's clearinghouse? Uh- <laughs> <laughs> sure do. But also- Kill um, a late
2: night host, before I forget, I apologize. Uh,
3: uh, before you kill a late
2: night host live on television, does that sound like any sort of a green-haired clown guy <laughs> in a movie we just saw recently? Oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, keep going. So I'm sorry about that. But also, I, I don't know if we were going to- we, we mentioned David Bowie before. So yes. David Bowie claims- and David Bowie is not known for making up a ton of horse shit in his in his interviews no but um David Bowie at the time in 1980 was making his Broadway debut as the Elephant Man right and um David Bowie was also on Mark David Chapman's list. In Mm -hmm. fact, they found a program from the Elephant Man in Mark David Chapman's hotel room Mm -hmm. with David Bowie's name circled in black. The next night after John Lennon's killed, Bowie decides, Bowie and Lennon were very good friends, they wrote Fame together. Um,
2: They're both big fans of, um, I believe it was the two of them, maybe it was Bowie and Jagger were big fans of Uncle Floyd
0: yeah New Jersey come yes, yeah, yeah, there's actually a great Bowie has a song about un- mm-hmm. Uncle Floyd on his heathen <laughs> album, but um so the next night, David Bowie performs at uh he performs The Elephant Man on Broadway, and up front are mm. three empty seats in the theater, which belong to John Yoko and Mark David Chapman, yep. who had a ticket reserved, for, for reserved the Elephant seat. Man.
1: That's the creepy, which shit is I've just seen. yeah,
0: I read that and I got chills. Right. I, I saw it on a meme and I was like, well, that can't possibly be true. I would have heard about that. So I started looking yep. into it. I see it on multiple sources. But yep. then I found a 20 something year old interview with Bowie where he admits all of it.
2: It's uh, that's what gets so unnerving. And also Kahuna knew something beforehand, too, because again, he's plotting this murder for three months. Before he actually gets up there and finds there's an issue, he doesn't have ammunition. The one time, uh, he chickens out. One time, uh, he's going back and forth on wants to work on his relationship with the Lord. Clearly, this guy's going through some shit. Um, but hours before he would shoot Lennon, because by the way, he, I believe you, the other James Taylor story about this one that he had the physical encounter with him, mm-hmm. and he said that uh, he described Chapman as being like a, a covered in like manic sweat, like yeah. crazy, like, ah, ah, mm-hmm. and just talking about how he goes, "I'm going to meet John Lennon. I'm going to meet John Lennon." Yeah, he starts hanging out outside of John Lennon's apartment building. He's hanging out there for a while, too. It's not like I'm just going to walk up and
0: see what's going on. He's kind of camped out. He came for days for 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 days. But people, people did. People just hung outside the Dakota waiting to get a glimpse. And by the way, every morning I would have come out and locked up anybody that was at the Dakota waiting. Anybody that's hanging out trying to get an autograph is a menace to society. (laughs) Well, what a nice guy. It's so weird. That, to, this to, is what, yeah, this upset yeah. me. I know what you're going to say. This upset me.
2: Blows my mind. So, this guy's hanging out outside there. Apparently, he gets uh, access to be able to, to greet um, Sean, right? The babysitter <laughs> the, the, car- the, the babysitter, whatever's coming out with the kid. And he goes, oh, he's a beautiful boy. Beautiful yeah. boy. You know, the, the John Lennon song. And then presents an album to John Lennon when John and Yoko are walking out. Because, by the way, this is another hilarious part. One time that he was probably going to make the the kill shot or whatever, he just was distracted and didn't realize they were leaving. He goes, oh, shit. Okay. Yeah, he, he <laughs> missed it. Right. All right, I guess
3: we're getting lunch. We'll be back. Um, yeah, that was one of the reasons, I think, why he probably picked John Lennon too, because he was so accessible that he was in and out of the Dakota. There was always a crowd out there. He would always stop and, and give autographs and that type of stuff and and say hello to his fans yeah, and that, that type of thing. So he was a he was a decent sort of guy. Chapman even admitted that you know he's a decent he was a decent guy. He was very polite and uh, he signs an album for him. Yeah yes. he
0: signs Double Fantasy for him. And which was the five latest hours later race. that guy's
2: gonna kill him. Right.
0: Yes. Now Mark David Chapman says he claims uh in that Larry King interview Lennon signs the album cover and then asks do you need anything else? And uh, Mark David Chapman said, he was like, I didn't have a camera on me. There was nothing else he could have done for me. And he looked me in the eye and I think he knew that this was the person that was gonna kill him. Uh, and then I was like, yeah, yeah. I would think that about anybody that asked for an autograph. Well, there's that famous photo too, though, that um
2: that, that winds up getting taken. The Paul Goresh is the photographer and it's a truly creepy photo of Cahoons. You were saying you saw it earlier, right? Yeah.
1: yeah. I, the, that's one of like the, f- I remember when uh, I've learned about, I learned about Chapman before, so I know a little bit about this stuff. Some of the exclusives I get from you guys, but I've known about that photo for a while, and it is like one of those things that's like, it is unsettling.
0: Yeah, Lennon's got his arm around him. Like yeah, he, right. I can't at what point, Oof. like I get if he doesn't sign the autograph, you being all murderous and being like, oh, this motherfucker's yeah. going to get him Away from Hawaii. Yeah. Your, you <laughs> but he signs the he signs the album and takes a picture and there's no part of you that's like, nah, all right, uh, where's George C. Scott live? just uh, it brought is. the picture up to
2: me. It is it's nuts. Yeah, you're seeing, uh, by the way, Mark David Chapman does. It's a little bit of like a young John Candy kind of a thing that he has. Yeah, I was on. thinking Chris Farley. That's, yeah, that's funny. Chris Farley, yeah. yeah. Uh,
3: Tommy Boy. Do you remember the Beatles? <laughs> <laughs> remember when you were in the Beatles? <laughs> do you remember when John is dead? <laughs> uh,
2: but yeah, it, it's it's completely, it's spooky to see that picture. Um
1: That album is actually going to, uh, was apparently auctioned recently. No shit. His copy. Freaking, as of 2000, as of November 2020, it went for Four hundred thousand dollars.
0: People buy the weirdest shit. Yeah, man. it's.
2: Uh, I mean, all of our Patreon money has been going to me getting a pair of uh, Casey Anthony's underwear. <laughs> right? But that's not for me. That's for a friend. <laughs> Uh, Kuna just tapped, he tapped out, he's done. All right, we broke him. I'm sorry.
0: (laughs) We just had, um, on on a recent interview, actually, also with uh Chris Covert, he brought in uh George Cummings from the band Dr. Hook and the Medicine Show. And George Cummings was telling the story of meeting a concert promoter who brought him into his garage to show him the wrecked car that Jane Mansfield died in. Uh, This dude bought it at an auction. So people are getting this, some morbid shit. Yeah, that's that, a, a, a got to have collectible, <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit.
2: Yeah, I mean, we say that for my for father's day. We just got my pops the gun that killed Lincoln. So he's pretty happy. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but he, he winds up uh, about five hours later. Because, um, again, reports indicated that Chapman's wife knew all about this. Uh, five hours after getting a signed vinyl record, it's probably going to be worth you know tons. Um, he's going to shoot the guy five times in the back and uh chapman's wife knew about his plans his struggles with alcohol mental illness and chapman actually said he resents her in a way for not calling the cops on him back then but again still married so they worked yeah. It out yeah it does get better um after shooting him in the back he shoots five rounds because that's what people don't they think it's a six shooter yeah but no james james taylor knows yeah <laughs> yeah right <laughs> You can immediately identify it. <laughs> well, he hits uh, – four of the rounds hit him, and uh, authorities will arrest Chapman uh, on site without incident. And again, Lennon's pronounced dead on arrival because he's just, I mean, dead to rights. They threw him in the back of a, a squad car, like we said, because they didn't have time for the ambulance. It was it was an ugly scene. It had to be. Um, three hours later, Chapman told authorities that a big part of him this, – this quote kind of spooked me a little bit because you don't want to research this shit alone late at night. But <laughs> – um, he told authorities, Well, I suppose a big part of myself that committed this murder was my inner Holden Caulfield, again, the protagonist of Catcher in the
0: Rye. And he goes, But a small part of me was probably the devil. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah, he gets into that in the uh in the Larry King interview. Well, because again, he if you notice, he uses religion as a way to rebound uh
2: from whenever he hits these these manic lows. So in order to get it back onto a manic high, it's like religion comes in and says, you're a good person. You know, don't have to worry about that. We're going to work on you. There's a guy up there named God, and he loves you no matter what you did. And so he's completely repaired himself in uh, the eyes of the Lord, if you will. Yeah. So, but this is his way of like, oh, well, the devil made me do it. That's You're starting to get a little bit of that in here, too. Um, again, the, the next night, the, the thing with Bowie, that's creepy as hell. Um, Chapman claimed that he did the act, by the way. Uh, in order to get more people to read this is an exact answer he goes well i did this in order to get more people to read catcher in the rye
0: right yeah which yeah, that was which worked, motivation which but- worked to an extent
2: very much so because yeah. then uh just four months later uh that same book catcher in the rye is found in the personal belongings of john hinckley who had just shot the recently elected president ronald reagan right again to Impressed Jodie Foster, which yes. I mean, come on, aim
0: a little higher, buddy. You know, it's <laughs> yeah. She was thirteen, I think, at the time too. Uh, it's creepy. It's, it was pretty creepy, right? So this book now, and I was like, "What an idiot, dude! She's a lesbian." That's <laughs> You're, you're never <laughs> going to impress her that way. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care how big your gun is. <laughs> Oof, oh, Jesus.
2: But now that's two times. So this book is now catching on this reputation because of these two crimes being linked to the two murderers over here. Uh, LP, you had another connection to this one. Yeah, world. it was
3: a, another um, a murderer, Robert John uh, Bardo, who murdered uh, Rebecca Schaefer, who yeah, was- Yeah, the a, actress a, a from actress. My Sister Sam, was that the yeah, name of the, the show? Yeah. He was trying to tell me about this. I, I didn't I know they, Yeah,
0: I remember, I was old enough. I remember Remember when that happened? Oof. And um, they were pen pals. Like the I, I'm sorry, what was his name? Uh, the,
3: Robert John Brent. It's always
0: with three names. Yeah. Um,
3: <laughs> Assassins. Yeah. 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 Lee Harvey Oswald. Kevin Patrick John Bur- <laughs> <Boots>. <laughs>
0: <laughs> They're all. Uh, they. Uh, that guy was writing letters to mark david chapman in jail like i really love this book like how bad is jail like if Uh, i were to kill somebody would i hate jail as much as i think well he was enjoying jail because they kept him away from everybody because
2: the fear was that there were so many beatles fans and gen pop that they would fucking kill him because if you're talking about clout chasing of if he's because again they did try to pin this motive on him that they say that he killed John Lennon or anyone famous would have been his target in order to gain notoriety, so he could feel some of that that fallout, that residual fame or whatever right. we were talking about earlier. So now, if you're if you're subscribing to that theory, then the definition of clout chasing would then be to kill the guy who killed the guy, right? You know? So like oh, I'm the one who killed because he's right. public enemy number one at this right. point.
3: Beatles fans are, I mean, it, it's. The even deals- even in prison, you're still going to be hated. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. It's uh, there's a couple. I think, of things. I think he's
3: in solitary because of that it, to this day that he's still still in solitary confinement. I believe he's. A, they said he accepted
2: solitary because I don't think he wanted. to okay. Again, he was also he fasted for 26 days in a row when he first went into jail. They actually had to. Um, th-
0: Which is weird because didn't Lennon and Yoko kind of do something similar where where they stayed in bed and wouldn't eat for a few days
3: to yeah. Yeah. Here and to, there. Yeah.
2: It was, uh, I mean, also then uh, Bobby Sands over in Ireland. I mean, hunger strikes are- Right. I don't At know the if time, was a hunger that, strike was a, or,
3: that was a, a way of protest. To get, well, they
2: wound up putting him on uh, liquid nutrients that he had to get, uh, not, not like force-fed, but he he agreed to take those, but he wouldn't eat solid food for like 26 days or something. So,
3: Well, they did the same thing with Bobby Sands during the, during the troubles over in Ireland, too, the, uh, to force-feed force
2: you. Yeah, propel, Gatorade. Yeah, um, you know. But- now, it's pretty wild here, too, because uh, when they asked him, they said, well, what do you mean that you shot John Lennon to make us read Catcher in the Rye? And he said, well, just read Catcher in the Rye. It's full of answers. Yeah. like So he found some deeper meaning because um, we talked about it once before, Dad. Bob Dylan was getting spooked by, first of all, the John Lennon thing is, is going to spook him a little bit. He's got a bunch of hippies living out on his front lawn. Bob Dylan has that great quote. I don't know if you've ever heard it where he goes, Yeah. At some point, I just wish that I was a normal suburban dad living out in the Midwest or something, just away from all this bullshit in New York City, because he didn't realize how much importance people were going to put on his words, Mm -hmm. right? Where it was going to change people's lives. Right. And I think um, Mick Jagger had the the great line. He goes, I know it's only rock and roll, but I like it. (laughs) (laughs) So, but I mean, it's spooky here because uh, it's very unnerving, the whole story. And then um, he actually almost... Again, like Charles J. Gateau, which is uh, one of our favorite people we ever covered on the show, the guy who killed uh, President Garfield, Um, he refused to allow himself to be declared insane. So Chapman actually cooperated with the prosecutors against his own defense attorney's advice to Mm -hmm. say, no, no, guys, I'm I'm completely fine, actually. I'm competent to stand this trial as an adult. And uh, got a little bit spooky because now his court-appointed defense attorney actually had to step down from the case because he was getting death threats. So imagine what Chapman is getting in terms of like, you know, harassment right, and shit like right. that. So if you're your the defense, defense attorney,
3: attorney <laughs> right, the court appointed
2: defense guy's attorney. You guy got to have a lawyer, guys. Give me some break here. <laughs> yeah.
3: Buddy.
2: I, I like to a- picture the lawyer being Rick Moranis in Ghostbusters. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine that? Just a fucking public defender. Like you just a case lands on your desk. Oh, you want to? This is actually an interesting, like personal uh, anecdote about this. I had, so my, uh, girlfriend through high school and college, her dad was a court stenographer. Oh shit. All right. And, um, and her mom was a house, like there wasn't a two income family. She had a really beautiful house with a pool. She went to private school and I never understood where the money came from. Cause I was just a kid. I thought, oh, your dad's like a secretary, like. Right, he's like a court. He's like a court secretary. I didn't understand, and I thought that if I had, if I had to guess, I would have guessed that stenographer. That was like a state job or a court-appointed job where you were not on some great salary. Oh, I'm terrified of this. No, this is, you're actually um, like an independent contractor, and you own the. You own all your transcripts. Whoa! Oh, so the court records, he was yours. he was the stenographer for Mark David Chapman's oh, case. Wow. And when it came time for her to go to public school or private school or put a swimming pool in, he He just sold that shit off. Oh, my
2: God. All right. Yeah. So, <laughs> wow.
0: wow. Well, and I was I grew up. I was always like, I your dad treats me like shit. and He's just a secretary <laughs> <laughs> like what? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> What is this shit? <laughs> yeah. Dude, wow. that and is... I tell you, that was a wild thing to learn. Yeah, that's spooky, man. Yeah.
2: That was because, again... Well, there's the, your
1: Jersey tie-in.
2: The, there is a, there's a Jersey tie-in for, the, oh, for sure. Holy crap on that one. Um, Fifty Shades of Ken Krantz. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, this was weird, man, because uh, one of the... I believe he actually reads part of Ketra and the Rye in the courtroom... <laughs> And it's talking about it's the line that the uh, the line that becomes one of the more famous uh, little um, uh, where the, the name catcher in the rye comes from is that he's going to be someone standing out in a rye field catching kids as they're falling off a cliff or something like that he's they spoof uh, it yeah. in observe and report with a just a big cloud of shit and I just have a <laughs> shotgun and I'm just there to stop it <laughs> so, but they I mean there's so many because this case had to be had to be headline news when this was going yeah. down man this is nuts but uh, Chapman uh, I would say uh, uh, he's a little bit of a, a charismatic figure, but also the most uncharismatic man ever.
0: Because in that interview, right, he's almost too calm. Yes. Yeah. He even apologizes at one point, yep. though. He says, I know this is going to come across as cold and clinical, but I've told the story so many times. And he's, uh, by the way,
2: he's, uh, I believe it's number 12. Attempt number 12 is approaching for him to get parole right. for this. He's been denied all the other times. Yoko's actually shown up a couple of times and yeah. said she doesn't want to relive the memories and stuff like that, so we're just gonna leave you in here. And Yeah, then, she
1: walks into the parole hearing, starts singing, and they're like, all right, we won't release him. <laughs> we're off
2: the hook, kahuna shit on her now too. <laughs> um, but it, the, the whole story is kind of mind blowing because you're just like, as a kid, I just remember accepting, oh yeah, John Lennon got shot. And then you read about it and you're like, imagine waking up every day and a new part of this story is out for you to like digest yeah it's creepy man his next parole hearing by the way august of 2022 so 12 times the charm we hope this podcast any money you donate
0: to i love rock and roll will be going to the defense fund of (laughs) (laughs) it's worth watching that larry king interview too just to hear larry asked him if he's ever had any homosexual attacks in prison (laughs) That was <laughs> all about that. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> and, wow. and then and Mark David Chapman was like, no, they actually treat me like really lovely here. I'm like one of three people on the floor. He works. He has a job in the the prison as well. And he works by himself, I believe, for the
2: most part. Now, again, the fact that he's so calm, it's just going to open the door for you here in a second, uh, Handsome. You know what we're setting you up for. Oh, all, all right. right. We but, can do uh, that. The old adage is don't kill a beetle. Okay, don't kill a beetle because uh, John Hinckley, who, again, is uh, the guy who shot Reagan four months later with the same book catcher in the rye amongst his personal uh, possessions. He's out now. He's out of prison because he actually was accepted under the idea that he had temporary insanity kind of a thing. Um, And so, again, it's kind of who you can shoot the current president of the united states as long as he doesn't die you can right. still live your life and put out your music or
0: whatever you. Were yeah saying. yeah he's <laughs> he's putting out he's like a shitty folk singer on youtube now oh man and his his videos are racking up more views than any of our stand-up clips will ever get in our lives you know what i'm gonna do then i'm just gonna start putting up clips of my stand-up and saying john hinckley's
2: hits <laughs> that's it but that uh, dude it's wild because um because of the way that chapman then handles this because he starts seeing a minister and stuff like that he's tried to repair his faith with god he still sees his wife for this conjugal visit every year i think he gets like 48 hours alone with her kind of a thing in like this weird makeshift like apartment cell that they put together for him but he works his job over there in the hospital he refuses most interviews first interview was 1992 with um uh Barbara Walters. Barbara mm. Walters, yeah. Then the Larry King one. The Larry King one's the one that I was able to watch. So I mean, that was mind-blowing to see how that the weird, eerie calm that comes over this guy when he tells you about what he yeah. did and how he mm. feels about it. Um, It kind of makes you think, Dad, that maybe temporary insanity, maybe that's not too far of a stretch here because there's some weird things that happened in this guy's life. That, well,
3: our boy definitely had his ups and downs, didn't he? Yeah, <laughs> <And> then- <laughs> it certainly did.
2: And there was perhaps a government program for a Jersey tie-in here that maybe – Maybe we might have covered on another episode of American Yeah,
3: there was a, a bit of a loserception that I, when I started doing the research on this one, I was like, I was a holy shit moment for me. But, uh, you know, this obviously with anything as big a news story as this was, I mean, this, this when he was, was uh, when Lennon was shot, uh, that even interrupted Monday Night Football. Howard Cosell. Oh, yeah. Howard Cosell was the first uh, commentator or news person or media person that actually announced that that uh, land was shot. I Can mean, you imagine getting awful news from fucking Howard Cosell? Well, I don't want to tell you how I found out Ruth Bader
0: Ginsburg died. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
3: <laughs> But Howard Cosell uh, apparently had uh, done an interview with uh, Lennon previously, which is why. Lennon had been up in the booth at Monday right. Night Football. Right. That was
0: like his I'm a man of the people phase. Right.
3: right. And then uh, I think they came, the uh, The news came by just by circumstance that there was another ABC News guy in the emergency room when they brought Lennon in there. Now, Lennon's surrounded by all the cops and everything else, and there was another a uh, news guy in there for um, some kind of emergency service and he came to realize who the cops just brought in and is now dead so they you know put it up the stream and it finally comes to Howard Cosell in the booth during a Monday night football <laughs> game with seconds to go and like there's a there's a drive for a winning touchdown and <laughs> Howard's got to jump in on that and break the news to the world that, uh, you know, John Lennon has just been about fatally that. shot. But uh, there's all kinds of conspiracy theories with this. I mean, anything that is that big of a news story, of course, you're going to have the conspirators are going to uh, start ramping that thing up. But um, one of the ones, uh, one of the conspiracy theories was based on... Uh, CIA and FBI surveillance of Lenin due to his left-wing activism. I mean, What's even back- What's that
2: quote, too? All my heroes, i sorry, all my idols have FBI files, I think was the quote <laughs> back then. Yeah. So, it'd be like everybody who was worthwhile had an FBI. <laughs> right, okay. right. And again, who, who's the big tuna over there? The big tuna with- um, Well, at the, the FBI. FBI was our, our boy, Jay Edgar. J. Edgar, who? We did that episode maybe a year and a half ago, and he pops up almost in every
0: episode since. Yeah. It's spooky. Right. Yeah.
3: Uh, was his, it was
0: it Nixon? Was it Nixon's
3: presidency or? Well, it goes back to Nixon's presidency because Lenin was um, saying, you know, get out of Vietnam. Yeah. He was anti-war. And of course, Tricky Dick did not uh, that did not sit real well with anybody going against what he was proposing. So, um, you know, the FBI had surveillance on him. The CIA had surveillance on him. Um, so there was a lot of uh, a lot of ideas or theories that were floated out there, uh, one of which was floated in a, in a book uh, and, and a, a, a playwright um, created this whole drama with the theory that Chapman was manipulated by a rogue wing of the CIA. All right. Now, I get that sounds all right. Okay. He suggests that um, that he could not be all that insane if he managed all those long trips from Hawaii to to New York City. Right. And the first time that he went to New York City, he got there with the gun, but didn't have ammunition. And he actually had to drive out to Pennsylvania yeah. to buy his ammunition. You were Good. talking away, you were talking earlier about the two week cooling off period. Yeah. Well, James know. Taylor told him that. He's yeah. like, they don't fire without right. ammunition. You got to go to Cabela's or
0: something. <laughs> James Taylor's got a guy.
3: Um, yeah, but um, the the whole idea was that um, Chapman was programmed while he was in that hospital Manchurian in Hawaii. And it was yeah. a Manchurian candidate. That there was going to be some kind of a trigger that um, is going to set him off, and he's going to be he's going to be the guy that's going to assassinate, that's going to murder John Lennon. And the trigger was somewhere within the Catcher in the Rye. And then you had all these other catcher in the rye of, you know, associated murders uh, with uh, Hinckley and everybody else. So they were thinking that he was part of the, uh, that Chapman was part of the CIA's uh, Project MKUltra, that he was drugged and programmed and everything else while he's in there. And it was also while he's in the hospital where he was given that book on John Lennon yeah. and to show him how much money this could So, you know, is this guy being tuned up while he's in in Hawaii? And why did he pick Hawaii in the first place? I mean, it's just there's just a whole lot of questions. And like any good conspiracy theory, there's going to be all kinds of right know, now. Partial truths or partial evidence that. uh Moves it along.
0: Mark David Chapman completely denies that he was, he's asked yeah. about it in the Larry King interview. But then also, like, how would you know? A, <laughs> That's how right. We, the conspiracy right.
2: stuff is that there's always you can't disprove them. Like, I, I swear I, I've had beefs with flat earth people before. I was like, oh, I can't even argue with this anymore. So they can't I can't prove them wrong. So they, like, it's kind of a wild thing. So a little bit of leeway in that story there. But he doesn't
3: yeah. think it. Nobody really thought they were an MKUltra either. Right. No, <laughs> nobody knew, nobody realized that, hey, somebody just gave me a list. Even the guy who was ahead of the program never realized that he was. Uh, do he you was ever just up. like
2: go to follow fish around on tour and then wind up knocking over the head of a despotic empire regime? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I did too, man. That's why I don't do Molly
3: anymore. <laughs> The other, the other. Oh, we got kahuna again. All right. We'll be right back with the kahuna. I implemented regime
2: change once, like just on
0: like a weird, wild
2: thing to do. Like,
0: By the way, uh, following fish around is way worse. My, <laughs> I would, I'd, I'd rather my kid grew up to overthrow a regime <laughs> than go see fish on tour uh, on
2: brand for you. <laughs>
3: But another little tidbit that I thought was a little interesting, too, is that um, uh, there was a documentary that the doorman at the Dakota, at the hotel where Lennon was living with Yoko and and Sean, the kid, that the doorman was of Spanish descent. Mm -hmm. And um, when they started to investigate this guy, there was some speculation that he has long time association with the CIA going back to the Bay of like Pigs. Most like most doormen. Right, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Back to the Bay of Pigs and Fidel Castro.
4: <laughs>
0: they actually, they touch on it. So there is, when I say truly awful, there is a truly awful Mark David Chapman biopic uh, starring Jared Leto, Leto. How do you say? I think say? it's Leto. Huh? Jared Leto, and um, the shittiest of the Jokers, That's it. and um, Lindsay Lohan. And they, it, it is so bad. It's worth watching. It's like one of those. Right, it's right. so
2: awful. Right. It's good. Kahuna, I smell a mystery science theater night coming up, buddy. Yeah,
0: yeah. it <laughs> is. <laughs> it is. I would lock Jared Leto up too, just to be safe <laughs> after watching this. But they, they do touch on the the Spanish doorman, and Learning maybe out. there was some kind of weird, you know, the Bay of Pigs, perhaps.
3: Yeah, and it was even speculation that it wasn't Chapman who shot. Uh, Lennon, it was the the Spanish doorman, yeah. the Cuban exile that, that shot him and Chapman was just programmed to be the patsy, be the fall guy that he's gonna sit down and read his, I mean, that read is, his that book until is the cops arrive. Little, yeah, that's a right? little
0: crazy. Like once you got Lennon, wouldn't you just be like, well fuck it, let's just knock off as much of this list? Like if you're gonna be a monkey, be a gorilla. You know what I mean? <laughs> Solid.
2: <laughs> it was, uh, it's a creepy one too because uh, th- there's something about the calm that goes down with it because uh, there's, um, I believe that happened in Taxi Driver too, but like the the opening shot when he shoots Harvey Keitel, it's like, there's that weird moment when he's just looking and he goes, oh, okay, so no one's stopping me. Like we can follow through on something because then Taxi Driver comes out, what, 79? Yeah. So Taxi Driver out. was already out when this went down, but it had to be. Because, again, Jodie Foster being uh, a key part of the, the the Hinckley story and then the shooting of a, a presidential candidate, which would happen with Reagan later on and stuff like that, too. I mean, there's a lot of art imitating life, imitating art kind of a thing here. So, it's it's spooky. The right. whole story is a little bit
0: more unsettling. We're laughing about it, but I was also like, Jesus Christ, this
3: happened? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. I'll be honest. The most surprising thing I found out was that this dude was and is still married. That's- like, that was <laughs> – I, I everything I read, I came away with. She, she fucking –
2: it's a ride or die, man. It's uh, a again, and there might be more information coming out about this story because, like we said, that twelfth appeal is coming up right now. That would be, I, I know it was a crazy time for, but that would have been the craziest presidential pardon ever if, on his way out, Trump just goes, "Chapman, you're on."
4: My God. <laughs>
1: My God, let's not say we did. It's
2: dude,
0: it's a creepy story on that one, man. But uh, what else you got coming up on Isle of Rock and Roll, brother? I love rock and roll. Uh, we are, we're covering the life of Scott Weiland next nice. week. We just had, uh, this morning we recorded with the fantastic comedian, Ted Alexandro. We did a whole episode on, on famous lost albums to promote his lost album. The episode that I would tell you guys and the American loser fans to check out, uh, most, if you're going to listen to one episode, you're listening to <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: you listening, KP's mom. Um, check out an episode on a gentleman called Spade Cooley.
2: Oh, you talked to me about uh, him. Yeah, he already knows him. Yeah, you, you were. Want. You were in there that's for that. Right. One. I
0: think that's probably that's, there's there's a lot of uh, American history wrapped up in that. Yeah, it's nice. also okay. also uh, a fun murder episode. <laughs> <laughs> a fun murder, oh, <laughs> fun murder! It is man. Yeah, yeah. but uh, what what episode for for uh, the people who are listening to I love rock and roll? What do you guys have coming up? What should they check out?
2: I appreciate that, man. I loved our uh, two parter on the Bay of Pigs um, of LP. I think you and me are both partial to probably Kahuna's favorite too, Dan Sickles. Yeah, Dan Sickles was <laughs> a good one. In a nutshell, do you I, you've never heard of this guy before in your life. No. Um, he's the first guy to ever use temporary insanity and it works. And he, at the time, was a member of the U.S. House of Representatives, representing the state of New York, and shot the guy fucking his wife dead in the streets in the middle of D.C. with witnesses. Um, the guy who was fucking his wife was the son of Francis Scott Key, who wrote the Star Spangled Mm -hmm. Banner.
3: Um, And he he shot him in broad daylight in Lafayette Park across the street from the White
0: House. Right. And then he went home and wrote, God bless America.
3: (laughs) (laughs) But it's not
2: over yet. Not only does he get away with it, he then goes into the military uh, and winds up serving at, uh, he's serving as a general at the Battle of Gettysburg, gets his leg blown off by a cannon, has the leg preserved in a barrel that you can go visit his leg that's still in the U.S. Army Field Museum. All right. The reason why his men got massacred on the field is because he didn't listen to orders on the field. And then he smoked a cigar as they were carrying him away on.
3: <laughs> yeah, he's a he's a character. It's a flesh. All right, yeah. 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 <laughs>
2: yeah. Then he tried to start a war with Spain because he was banging the deposed queen over there. He's pretty much the greatest human being. Whoever. <laughs> yeah, <really. laughs> All right. It's, uh, but that one's great, man. It's uh, I, you're always great when you come on the show, buddy. I'm excited to. Uh, you
0: have an album out too. plug it. Oh, well, uh, I have an album coming out uh, uh-huh. called uh, Fuck You, Poughkeepsie. <laughs> F.U. Poughkeepsie, for short. <laughs> F.U. Poughkeepsie, <laughs> uh, recorded at uh, one of the best clubs, one of my favorite clubs, probably my favorite club, just the, the guys that run Laugh It Up Poughkeepsie are the best. They're so much fun to, to go party with.
2: To give you guys an idea of the that club and the staff that works there, it was either a carnival or a comedy club, and they just happen to land on comedy club. These kinda, <laughs> they should be operating
3: tilt-a-whirls and right, bouncing yes. people.
0: Yeah, but nobody told the audience that it's not a carnival.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I got my wristband for ride all night. <laughs>
0: they are just wonderful people. Up yes, there. in fact, I will be there the, uh, all weekend. Fucking eight, dude. When's yeah. the uh, album coming out? The album should be out. We're finishing editing this weekend while I'm nice. up in Poughkeepsie, and uh, I'm hoping it'll be out in a few weeks, three, four weeks. Well, buddy, you're a good friend of mine, man. You're also one of my favorite joke writers. Your Facebook and,
2: uh, well, your, your Twitter was really great for a while until the NRA got a hold of it. <laughs> 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 uh, that's a story for another time on that one here. LP, did you have anything else you want to say about Mark no, David Chapman? I think, on the way we,
3: out? Uh, I think we got him pretty much covered there, Kev. He's uh, certainly a a character.
2: He is, man. Coons, He's think about American. it real quick, because we're going to go to you for a, a, a casting couch for who you would make a movie about Mark David Chapman, who you would cast in that movie. But in the meantime, please
0: listen to Isle of Rock and Roll. I right, Ken's a great guy, awesome comic, and I enjoy what you're doing with the show, dude. It's fucking cool. Yeah, thank you. I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of this show as well. KP, I think you're very funny for a right, uh, dude.
2: for now, (laughs) um, it's at American Loser podcast over on Instagram, the American Loser podcast page on our Facebook too. Uh, New episodes are coming out every Tuesday. You get three every month for free, okay? The fourth Tuesday, that's where it costs you. For just as little as $3 a month, which boils down to less than a dollar an episode, we give you one premium exclusive episode where we cover a way deeper topic. This most recent one was DB Cooper, which is one of the greatest
0: stories ever not told. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, uh, we're still at the point where you get all our shit for free so <laughs> you can uh you can find us on twitter uh at uh rock and roll pod i still can't believe you got the name i love rock and roll no one else jumped on that do one. do you know so chip and i are bouncing names off each other for like a good three weeks and then finally one day i was just like i just want something that people will remember like i love rock and roll but that's obviously taken and because everything we came up with, you Google and you're like, oh, there's 15 other podcasts with that name. And then the show was originally called Dan Carlin's Hardcore History. So we got <laughs> fucked <laughs> that up. Right, That's right. But yeah, there, there was I guess it, it was just so obvious that it never occurred to anybody <laughs> right. that they could do it
3: everybody everybody that's so truly that name had to I, been I actually
0: taken. the but our, our fir- so uh kp knows uh my comedy's a lot like kp's i'm a little <laughs> little dark little rough around the edges and this uh i love rock and roll it's it's the safest, cleanest thing I've ever done. <laughs> and I've already received hate mail. We we did.
3: We, <laughs> you got to be doing something. Right. We did an
0: episode on The Runaways and their manager, Kim Fowley, was a true piece of shit. He, he the runaways were an underage female band they were all kids like between 15 and 16. need a movie about them yeah Yeah. it was a a really actually a really good movie and michael shannon plays kim fowley and it's alleged by uh at least two members that he raped them he was a he would throw while they were practicing that was van alden yeah boardwalk (laughs) while while they were rehearsing he would throw dog shit at them and tell them this is what you have to get ready for this is what people are going to think of you so while they were rehearsing they had to dodge and this is like a grown man and um i i already got a a message from some instagram on instagram from somebody first off i knew once he told me that um i shouldn't be disrespecting mr Fowley. fowley mr fowley had a real gem on my hands and then he uh He told me that uh, he's going to get word to Joan Jett that I'm using the name of a song that she wrote that she didn't write. Uh,
2: People are just nuts, but we did our, uh, it's up on YouTube, our demo Dick Marcinko episodes, the guy who created Seal Team Six. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you how many people start listening to that, don't understand what it is, and then start, they're so confident in their criticism, right? It's, It's one of my favorite things ever. Somebody just goes in there and goes, I wish uh, this this kid would shut up and let uh, Demo Dick actually speak. That's how commanding of a voice my father has. This guy assumed <laughs> he, was, he just was the
3: creator of Seal Team 6. For sure, Demo Dick was sitting right here with us yeah, with my man. voice. Uh, somebody wrote recently, he goes, I wish,
2: um, uh, he goes, if we ever really wanted to take Demo Dick out, what we should do is strap him to a chair and make him listen. I've never heard a, a narrator like to hear himself talk so much, and I, I just wrote back to him. I never would write back to anybody normally on this stuff, but I just wrote, dude, it's a podcast. What the fuck other yeah. than talking am I supposed yeah. to be doing? <laughs> like magic tricks? what? Yeah, right. It's wild on that one, man. but most you
1: see of this card? No.'
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's to do a side gig. Go, if you're making a movie about Mark David Chapman and the incident we talked about today, what are you doing with it?: All
1: right, so I'm taking some inspiration from one of my favorite recent rock and roll biopics called "Love and Mercy." Oh, which it's is so the story good. of Brian Wilson's Beach Boys. Yes. I'm going to have Brian. I'm going to have Mark David Chapman played by two actors in two different time periods. Uh, we're going to go. Uh, <laughs> see, I don't have a real If You say Chadwick Boseman.
2: I'm going to be upset. No. <laughs> uh,
1: for older David, for older Mark David Chapman, we're going to go Norm MacDonald. <laughs> Oh,
0: that's <laughs> actually not bad.
1: Hey,
0: shit, Pio,
2: you know? <laughs>
1: to, like, what the minute I saw this this fucking photo of David Chapman, like he he kind of looks like him.
0: Yeah, and they both have like, that. They both have that deadpan delivery. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> we're doing we're doing a fucked up movie, and then in the past time in the past time uh, period, he's going to be played by Andy Milanakis, because I fucking feel like
2: it. Ooh, interesting. So,
1: that that's a joke, but I mean Hey, you ever real... gotta shoot a beetle and you're like, ah oh, bullet. <laughs> I'm not really making this fucking movie. I'm thinking it's like it's gonna be awful. So I'm it just, was, like, here it, you go. It was already
0: it. made and it is so awful.
1: <laughs> uh, but truth be told, if it was like a legit thing, I would cast Adam Driver, who did uh, Oh
0: yeah, I could see that too. Who I like did it.
1: um what the fuck? The oh. new Star Wars trilogy. There you uh, go, man.
2: Ren. That guy's—I uh, think he's an army vet or something too. in yeah. Real life, he's yeah. a badass dude. Yeah, man. he's a I badass dude. I like that guy. Dude. Well, shit, man. I also like you, Ken Krantz. I like you, the Kahuna. You LP, do? Thank you for the ride home. <laughs> 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 Only and, uh, good to me. Do we cover? Games oh yeah, no, with Patreon's making money right now. Yeah, it's—I yeah. it's, uh, I won't say pennies on the dollar, but it's all Dogecoin. is <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: yeah. is
1: Dogecoin worth like five cents now? Debatably. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, but when Elon Musk retweets this episode.
1: Oh yeah, we're going to be
2: rolling. Yeah, uh,
0: we're talking, dude.
2: Uh, that's not my next new fake Twitter name is Elon Musk. Um, but guys, this was Mark David Chapman. I thought it was a great episode, man. Uh, please listen to I Love Rock and Roll. For I Love Rock and Roll, that was Ken Krantz.
0: I'm KP Burke and that was Mark David Chapman, American yes. Loser. Yeah, listen to American Loser. Thanks, guys. <laughs>